Hello, and welcome to the Deconstructed Burrito Podcast. I am your faithful and true host, Alexander Balch, and this podcast episode is a sort of a standalone episode that I am releasing as I am currently in quarantine. I tested positive for COVID-19 just uh, several days ago, and I wanted to take some time out and to just reflect on what the past couple of years have been like since the pandemic began. And since I'm currently off work uh, and, you know, in quarantine, I don't really have much else to do. So, and yes, I may be coughing uh, some during this episode. I only started experiencing symptoms on Sunday of this week and today, Friday, I am still fairly sick. So, but I want to take y'all on a little road trip through the past couple of years and share my own experience of the pandemic. Uh, it was early 2020 and we had just endured like three whole years of Donald Trump serving as our president. I was in my second year at Mary Harden Baylor, learning everything that I needed to know to share Jesus with the whole wide world. Um, I had just started dating a beautiful college student who, by the way, I married about seven months ago. And also for what felt like the first time in my life, I was making friends, mostly with other students in my degree program. I remember back in, it was either February or it was March of 2020, whenever I first saw a headline that came across my Google News feed about some mysterious new virus that had popped up in China that was spreading and you know, which is now also coursing through my body. Um, and I clicked on the article and I read it and I remember that I felt a slight tinge of fear while reading it. But then I also remembered, you know, prior outbreaks of new diseases, uh, things like the H1N1, uh, and Ebola. And, you know, and I remembered how those had those like, you know, viruses, they'd been contained and, Everything was hunky-dory. Uh, you know, although this, you know, COVID, as everyone is well aware, you know, that did not happen. Um, but yeah, but life continued on as normal um, after we first got those, you know, beginning news reports. We were assured that we'd be safe from uh, the 2019 novel coronavirus by our leaders. And, you know, then came the, you know, I can't even say unthinkable at this point, but the first wave began to hit America and everything just descended into a smoldering shit sandwich. Uh, in March, my classmates at UMHB and I, we left to go home for the spring break and we did not return until August of that year. You know, overnight the world stopped turning as everything was canceled and schools, businesses and restaurants, everything just closed. And I remember walking through a Walmart during the first week of the pandemic and at this point, I, you know, like most people didn't even own a face mask. And, uh, I was just trying to go get groceries for me and my mom. And, you know, and I walked into that Walmart and, uh, everybody's looking kind of side-eyed at one another, you know, wondering if, uh, you know, this person or this person had the virus, um, you know, looking at people who weren't wearing masks and, um, but yeah, I walked into that Walmart and, it just looked like a tornado had gone through it. And I felt so bad for the employees who were working there uh, that day because it was just such a mess. Um, and I scrounged up what groceries I could. And I tried so desperately hard to find toilet paper, which I actually did. 
So here's a fun little trick for y'all to use next time that the world is ending and everybody is in a mad dash to get the one thing that counts toilet paper. Um, you need to go to the camping section of Walmart. Okay. And you find the RV section and then you get RV toilet paper. Nobody else thought to look over there, but I did. And if that is the only time in my life that I have ever had an original thought that worked out in my favor, then so be it. But yeah, anyways, I had got all my groceries and I roll up to the cash register and the cashier, she rang me up and asked me, so how are you going to spend the end of the world? And at, you know, at the time, I think I just said I was, I was off on spring break, staying with family, but God dang, like I am still trying to figure out that question today because at the time we didn't know what these next two years would hold. We had no clue. We were told that if everyone just stayed home, cut off physical contact with, you know, everybody for a couple of weeks, then it'd be fine and everything could go back to normal. And, you know, of course, that's not how it actually played out. And we had no idea just how drastically our lives would change. And so at the end of the first week of the pandemic, Mary Harden Baylor announced that spring break would be, uh, you know, merely extended by a week. And then after that second week, it come and passed. Uh, we were moved over to online classes for the rest of the semester using, you know, Zoom or pre-recorded lecture material. And gosh, you know, that was hard. Um, it was hard on everyone. But as this podcast episode is all about me, uh, it was it was hard on me as well. Um, I think that the worst part about all of it uh, for me was the loneliness. Um, I was so damn alone, like during the lockdowns, and I've always, you know, been more comfortable as an introvert. But whenever I spent two months basically by myself every day, just me and my mom. Um, it began to get difficult and it grew on me right before the pandemic hit. I felt like I had finally, you know, found a community of friends and people, um, that I knew who I was comfortable being myself around and, you know, COVID kind of took that away from me. And at the time COVID hit, I stayed with my mom. And like I said, I basically had a couple of months that I was in solitary confinement almost. Um, I wasn't able to see my, uh, at the time girlfriend for, over a month since neither of us were, you know, keen on traveling and we were afraid of infecting our families. Um, nor did I, you know, actually get to spend time with a friend until about a month or month and a half into the pandemic. Um, I would wake up every day. I'd complete whatever schoolwork needed to be done. I would drink some alcohol and then I'd go back to sleep again. I was sleeping upwards of like 12 to 14 hours a day, which I have never been able to do before that nor since uh, i have like pretty serious chronic uh, sleep problems and i was drinking so much to just kill the time that i finally decided it was time to stop drinking whenever my mom asked me why i was buying so much alcohol and the only honest response that i could have get, given her and that i did was uh, because i was bored you know, again, I've, I've always been an introverted person, but like, God, that disconnection was really hard. Um, I was starving for time spent with people in, in community and it always came out in what I felt at the time were bizarre ways. Cause again, I've always just been this awkward kind of introverted person. 
Um, I remember after one uh, class meeting over Zoom towards the end of the pro- of the semester, everybody in the class, including our professor, left the Zoom except for a friend of mine. And I tell you, like me and that friend, we stayed in that Zoom meeting for well over an hour, um, just talking about life and whatever. Um, at some point, a week or so after that, I. I ended up driving over an hour to meet up with my friend Mitch and get some Whataburger to go in Belton. And this, this was the first time that I had seen a friendly face in I don't know how long. And we wound up just sitting in his car for like two hours, just talking about theology and whatever random crap. Um, and it was great. Like the time that I got to spend talking with a guy in that Zoom meeting and hanging out with my friend Mitch in his car for two hours. Like those were the highlights of those weeks. Because I was longing, I was craving for some connection with another human being. Even if it was just over Zoom or if it was just two awkward dudes sitting together in a parked car uh, talking about theology. Like it meant that I got to be around another human being. And for the first time in my life, I really began to appreciate just how much I actually need other humans. Because without them, I'd go insane. And it makes me think back to, uh, it's a really awesome movie called Into the Wild. Uh, It's a fantastic movie based on a true story, and you should watch it if you haven't seen it. But it's about a dude who, towards the end of the movie, uh, there's a lot of spoilers here. Um, But he, this, the the main character, he goes to Alaska to live in solitude. Um, And he winds up being unable to return back to civilization because he had waited too long and he was too weak from malnourishment. And so basically the dude up and dies from starvation. But before he dies in the movie, you see all these scenes of him basically realizing that he did in fact need other people. But for him, it was was too late. Um, One of the quotes from that movie and uh, that, that the main character wrote before he died was something like, happiness is only real when shared. And after being in isolation for so long during the lockdowns, I really began to appreciate that a lot more. I began to appreciate, you know, actually spending time with other people. And I don't think that I was the only one to feel this disconnectedness at all by any stretch of the imagination. And I think most people did if, you know, if they weren't the ones running around going wild at at super spreader events and parties and carrying on with their lives as if nothing had happened. You know, people need to see a human face and talk with others. And it took the, really the end of the world as that Walmart cashier had said to me for, for me to eventually see that it's true. And so let's, let's talk about the religious political side to all of this. Because that's always a good idea. So I always used to lean towards libertarianism politically. And even though I've shifted away from supporting a lot of libertarian policies, I still do have a sincere respect for a lot of the ideals that underlie a lot of libertarian political philosophies. And in spite of this, I have really hated the stupidity that has gone on in this country for the past two years surrounding COVID. So many people were just so completely split about what to do. And it certainly didn't help that we had this moronic president who was fixing to get impeached every five seconds, who was spreading misinformation and fear, you know, leading to millions of people who, to this very day, still outright refuse to wear face masks and get vaccinated, which has resulted in far too many unnecessary deaths. 
at the very beginning of the pandemic, I myself, I was actually an anti-masker for about a week and a half. It was not very long lived. Um, initially I, you know, listened to Republican conservative news outlets and I thought that masks were stupid. And I thought just like many other people still try to argue to this very day that masks didn't help stop the spread of COVID. And I also believe that the government shouldn't enforce mask mandates because it was infringing on my freedom, on my rights as a United States citizen. I was an anti-masker, again, for about a week and a half. Um, and so what changed was whenever I first heard somebody online, probably in a YouTube video, uh, going and arguing, uh, basically from a Christian perspective, um, that it is more loving to one's neighbor to wear your mask and thereby hopefully preventing your neighbor from contracting COVID. And whenever I heard it put that way, it completely changed everything for me. Um, you know, this, this is the, the golden rule. One of the two main commandments that Jesus dished out at the sermon on the Mount that his disciples were meant to embrace. And whenever I heard the argument for wearing masks presented within the Christian framework, it all of a sudden clicked and I couldn't argue with that. And I changed my mind and I started wearing my mask, but good Lord, like so many Christians within the American church went full swing in the opposite direction. And they would say things like, Oh, you don't need a mask. If you only have faith, and, you know, and so many old white people on Facebook, they would then uh, post and share the absolute most utter nonsense claiming that, you know, they shouldn't have to wear masks or worry about COVID all because they were Christians and they had faith. Um, and so I started serving on staff at a church at, as a youth minister, a couple months into the pandemic. And it was even worse, like being inside the church as the church staff, like we too, we were divided on what to do. And a couple members of the staff were much more on the side of to hell with face masks, masks. And, uh, another couple of us were much more cautious where it came to congregation members wearing, you know, their face coverings. Um, and so our church, unfortunately became known in the community as the anti-mask church. And it actually wind up, um, causing, you know, a few members to leave, but it caused significant church growth due to the fact that a lot of other churches in our city, they required face masks while ours did away with the face mask requirement very, very early on, um, stupidly early on congregation members of other churches. They literally left their churches, their, their communities all together and became members of our church for no other reason than our church, not requiring masks, which is a shame. And it's a total disgrace, I think, to what Jesus had called us to do and what we ought to have done during the pandemic. You know, Christians ought to have been the, the first ones to step up to wear masks. They ought to have been the ones that stuck out their arms to get jabbed with Pfizer or Moderna out of a love, out of sincerely caring for the well-being of their neighbor and a desire to keep them safe. And we failed. Just a few days after I left that church and I left uh, ministry altogether, a man in my church whose family, they were um, ardent anti-maskers. Um, they died after his, the, the man uh, in the church, he, he wound up dying after a long fight with COVID. And this guy, he had 
grandchildren in my youth group. He had a wife. He had been a pastor. He was a good man. Um, and I don't think that that would have happened if my church and all the other churches for that matter had actually gone and enforced face coverings and had promoted, you know, caring about other people. Um, you know, way too many people have died pointless, needless deaths just because the evangelical church has gone and turned its back on those it was supposed to protect and serve. And in, in biblical terms, they've gone and they've hoard themselves out to these freaking Republican news outlets rather than doing what ought to have been done. Um, you know, and they did all of this in the name of faith and religious freedom. And, you know, I don't think that future church history classes in Bible colleges and seminaries are going to look too kindly on this time in the life of the American church. Now, over the past few years, I've really changed the way that I think about a lot of theology and politics largely in part to the way that conservatives and evangelicals and the Republican Party have responded uh, to not only the pandemic, but also the you know Black Lives Matter movements, the George Floyd protests, um, how they have idolized Donald Trump and the Republican Party. Um, you know, seeing the way that these you know, so-called Christians would respond in the most unloving, vicious and vindictive ways to those who disagreed definitely helped me change my mind. I mean, before the pandemic and before I deconstructed my faith and my politics, you know, I was that kind of person. I watched people like Tucker Carlson and Ben Shapiro and Milo Yiannopoulos almost daily. Um, I loved watching these compilation videos on YouTube of, you know, basically these far right pop stars uh, destroying liberals in debates. I got such a kick out of it. <clears throat> and I thought that to be a Christian in America, you must also necessarily be a conservative, a Republican. Uh, you ought to be, you know, watching these uh, figures like Tucker Carlson. Um, and and I think that a lot of it, um, watching people like Ben Shapiro and Steven Crowder, meant that I had a place in which I, I had a source where I could figure out the big questions in politics, um, how to address, you know, these divisive issues that have plagued our country for so long. And most importantly, um, you learned how to make liberals cry. And I'm joking by the way about the last part, but seriously, like I just ate that crap up and it wasn't until COVID and all of the black lives matter protests that I really looked up and began to see that Republican politicians and evangelicals, they mostly acted in their own self-interest and their political ideology doesn't match up at all with the message uh, that Christ proclaimed. And you see that the Jesus that evangelical Christians worship so aggressively um, is like them, or is at least how they like to think that they are. Um, they think that America is God's promised land, that if Jesus was alive today, he would sit on his throne in the Oval Office at the right hand of Donald Trump. Um, they act like Jesus never cared for the poor, for the social outcasts the oppressed and the marginalized. They've taken Jesus, they've hijacked him, and they've turned Jesus into this uh, white Republican conservative mascot who believes everything that they believe that grants them the righteousness to look down on African Americans and homosexuals and anybody who's different from them. They make Jesus out to be this anti-masker, anti-science wizard 
Uh, you know, when if Jesus were here today, I have no doubt that he would be among the first to wear his mask and to get vaccinated. And seeing how the evangelicals and Republicans did not love their neighbor, uh, how they worshipped America, and how, you know how they still to this day object to the vaccine, it's really opened my eyes to just how far they are away from any semblance of what a Christian could actually call love. And that's why I've moved to the other sidelines, politically speaking. Whereas before I used to look at these liberals and think that they were morons, I now see that in many instances the left is composed of people who genuinely value freedom and compassion and love for the least of these. And now I don't think it's possible to actively claim to be a Christian and not support social justice for the LGBTQ community, for uh, the African Americans, for literally all the groups of people that upper class white America has treated like crap for centuries. But, you know, setting all that aside, you know, I think the one good thing that has come out of COVID and everything is the memes. Oh, yes, baby. Like the memes have been A plus, they have been on point throughout the entire pandemic because obviously that is what really matters. From the toilet paper memes that were there pretty much from the get-go to one of my favorites, which basically concludes that COVID-19 is a direct result of Harambe the gorilla getting shot in the zoo in 2016. You know, memes have been a tremendous source of comfort, at least for me, because through it all, even though the world has basically been one massive dumpster fire for the past two years, uh, even though hell has frozen over, we can still laugh about it. So... I'm going to end this episode now. Um, I don't really have a good outro, so that is it. This is your host, Alexandra Balch of the Deconstructed Burrito Podcast, signing off.